LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one gospel-centered ministry tip every week. Now, we're in the middle of a series all about church planning models. Derek, can we hear like a bit of your origin story? Like a lot of people don't know that you are a you were a church planner. You're an inner city church planter. Planted a, a, cool, one, a cool name, Village Church. I think everyone wants to call the church Village. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about well, that? Well, listen, it sounds a bit defensive, but I'm going to say it anyway. We called it Village Church before Village Church was cool. And we called it Village Church because it met in Kelvin Grove Urban Village. That was the name of the place. So if Matt Chandler's listening, which I'm sure he is, I'm sure Matt's listening, then we called it Village Church first. And um, any other churches called Village... Are there any other Village Churches in Australia? Uh, Village Church Allendale. Oh, Allendale. Yep. Okay. So there's a few. There's a few yeah, around. But it so. is a pretty cool name. Yeah, it is. Now, today we are going to be unpacking the multi-site model. And I'm excited about this uh, series because... We're actually going to be looking at this sort of from two different angles. So today we're going to be talking with Scott Curtis, uh, a pastor at Hunter Bible Church up in Newcastle. Uh, He planted a campus from Hunter Bible Church about three years ago uh, in the Lake Macquarie uh, region, which is to the south of Newcastle. And we're really going to hear from him about his experience of, uh, of being sent out to start this new campus. So let's listen to him now. Uh, so I have a wife, Merrin, and we've got two beautiful kids who are three and a half and years and three and a half months old, Mackenzie and Zara. My role at HBC is campus director, is one of the hats I wear, and the ministry, overseeing the ministry, I'm across all of church. So when we started the, uh, started the model before even we planted, um, before we had the title campus director, it was a focused pastor. Uh, and in that model, the focus pastor had no authority, but just all influence. Mm. So they were overseeing how the M's were going at a particular congregation. They didn't have any authority whatsoever to make decisions or changes. So they just had to use their woo if they could see and have lots of healthy discussion and conflict and all those kind of things um, to kind of enact the changes they saw they could do. And so the power, ultimate authority was still with the M guys. Um, we moved to a multi-site model and planted our third campus and kept kept it that way and just found now that we had three campuses and the focus guy who was on the ground just seemed to have a better um, vibe for what was going on within the congregation and was probably more informed to make a bunch of decisions. And so we now have, uh, we haven't flipped it fully. So there's some decisions that the campus director can't make um, but if they're, if it's a local decision, so we've got this kind of tension at play then, and we're still working this out, it can still get confusing. Um, but some of our kind of the, how we work out how to make decisions, um, the campus director, if it's local and it's not going to have an impact on the whole of church, then it's probably going to be in their ball court with the final authority. Um, if it's a vision and values decision, then that's more with the M guys. Um, but if it's 
uh, strategy and execution, then that's more with the M guys. So that was Scott Curtis. And one of the things, let me pick up on one thing he said, um, decision rights. He spoke about decision rights. Now, you've been working with multi-site churches over the last few years quite a bit. Um, what are decision rights? How does it fit within the multi-site conversation? Well, in some ways, every, every church has to think about how you make decisions. Who, who ultimately has the authority, you know, the call? There are, there are loads of things that are, that are delegated in church, like, you know, decisions about, you know, the order and the flow of the service. You know, there, there might be a, a consistent liturgy that takes place in most churches, uh, but there's freedom to choose the three songs that we kick off with and the, the song that we end. Or we might make a call that the song post the sermon is, it's the preacher who actually decides on, on what that is. But a church might actually decide to hand that responsibility over to a gatherings pastor uh, or over to the congregation pastor to say, you get to make the call on this and it's actually you know your decision. Or it might be handed to the M- MC. So in some senses, it, there's nothing new, but there is greater complexity in a multi-site environment when you've got a number of different uh, campuses and gatherings in different sites uh, with different uh, you know abilities and technologies or uh, different contexts. You actually need to work out what is a non-negotiable uh, what is their freedom, uh, and and what you know doesn't really matter. Now you can do that across a whole bunch of things, like just your communication framework. You know, with emails, we're going to have you know this as a sign off, um, and everyone needs to everyone needs to put the village church logo at the bottom, uh, and they need to you know you need to say say these things. Mm. Uh, it could be well we're going to have a weekly we're going to have a weekly email that goes out, and the local campus gets to decide. Uh, what's said in that, or actually, you know, they've got to say these three things, uh, and, and personalise then, one of them. Yeah, and then they can personalise one of them uh, at the bottom. So decision rights are all about actually how do you, you know, who decides how do you make the call. Now, there's no right or wrong in that in in this uh, either, but it is really helpful just in terms of uh, getting clarity for the local campus and for the church as a whole on how to actually make those decisions. So at one extreme. Uh, you know, there's a there's centralised decision making authority. You know, so it's actually cent- it's a central decision. It's a it's a whole church decision. They decide, and everyone just has to do. At the other end of the spectrum, the local congregation or campus gets to decide. You know, they have the authority and the, and the freedom there. You know, in the middle of it, it's a consensus view. You know, we're just going to work it out. And then on either side, it could be central decides with some campus input, or the campus decides with some central input. Now there are a whole bunch of decisions that are going to need to be made, and, and a whole, you know, different raft of, um, you know, ways you're going to work this out. So let me give you an example to push into that, um, and you can do, explain to us how it is that would work. Uh, I'm at a campus um, with Central, and I want to employ someone, or I want to let someone go. Um, how did decision rights play into that decision? Well, in some ways, it depends who who has the authority to you know hire hire a staff member or hire a staff team member. You know, hopefully that's something that's been worked out. So potentially, if if uh, all staffing has to go through you know central with input from the local campus, uh, then I would imagine if that's the decision right they've set up, then I would have thought someone being let go um, that would involve both the local campus you know and a discussion with um, with central. Uh, so often in a multi-site arrangement, there's only there's you know there's one finance you know and there's one finance structure as well. So so yes, you you've you've got a sort of a an accounting structure that tells you this is how much the campus is costing, uh, but the finances are all considered as a whole and as one um, as one piece. And so I would thought, depending on how that person was hired, is probably going to be depending on how 
you're making that decision for the for the firing. That's good. We're going to come back to finances in just a little while. Um, but let's hear back from Scott again. I want to hear. We're going to hear from him about the kind of leader that that he feels like works well in a multi-site context. Uh, I was pretty inexperienced and would have been a big. I was no. I wasn't ready to church plant um, or do those kind of things. But being a part of a united church and continuing to be a part of a staff team that I was already a part of with that support and backing we thought we can pull this off with me overseeing that um, planting of the campus. Okay so that's Scott talking about the kinds of leader uh, that you might find in a multi-site context. It's worth prefacing at this point Scott is a very very capable leader. He, he is, he is uh, very capable, and there's any number of things that he could do. But it's interesting hearing him talk as well about um, the ways in which he exercises his leadership gifts. Not that he has less because he didn't do this kind of parachute plant. He just has different. What's your reflections on the kinds of leaders you've seen across the board in multi-site? Yeah, well, as you say, but, you know, if we're thinking about the sort of classic church planter and the classic parachute church planter, they're a high-capacity leader, entrepreneurial um, you know, able to get stuff done. Likewise, I think the campus planner needs to be a high capacity person, a high capacity individual. The difference between the two is, is you know, as Scott's talked about, they're sold out for the vision of the local church. You know, so they're, uh, they're not wanting to go and create their own thing. They're actually wanting to be part of this bigger, broader vision that they're, you know, already a part of. And so for them, they're happy to they have to have a service that is very similar to what they did back in the in the sending church. Uh, they're happy to um, sit under structures and not potentially be able to make all the you know decisions and the calls on every um, on every decision uh, because they're sold out for that that larger vision. So in some senses, the the big difference between a church planter and a multi-site campus planter is that you know owning of the vision. You know, so as uh, as Scott says, I, I need to be both, you know, for Hunter Bible Church and the whole church and for Lake Mac. I'm thinking about what does it look like for Hunter Bible Church to, you know, be present and reaching out to this community in, in Lake Mac. This takes real deliberateness from the start, this one, because if you haven't decided or you haven't worked out whether the person you're sending out to plant a campus is sold out for the whole and wants to replicate and stay within the whole... It doesn't take long once you do that and there's some growth in the campus to find out, oh, actually, they want to be independent. Um, and that's the point which things start to go pear-shaped, when they start to uh, question the language used from the front um, and whether I refer to HBC. Scott talked about a building, building program, and we'll come back to that in a second. Those kind of things where decision rights aren't clarified or the leader themselves isn't clear on what their role is, that seems to me to be real flashpoints if you haven't decided. Yeah, so that. I think the tension often comes when you know you you're thinking so so much about that local context, and you you know you need extra staffing, or you actually need more resourcing from the you know the mothership, and that and that's when you get that tension when you kind of see clearly what needs to happen, and so you know that's where I think it is important to have that sort of matrix style of leadership where where you do have a central services team that you know that is thinking about the whole, you know, and a campus pastor planter is actually thinking about what's going to be best for this context and that you know that discussion where someone's thinking about the whole someone's thinking about the local actually creates a really you know can create a, a healthy tension where again you might not get exactly what you want 
Uh, but I think the benefit often is that you've got a whole bunch of resources that you might not necessarily um, have. And, and I think in, it's one of the reasons why uh, why it's so important, I think, for campus planners often to be actually raised up from within. Mm. Um, you know, they have they have got so much more advantage than you know bringing someone in from the outside. And so, d- don't hear me saying you can't bring someone in from the outside. But if you are going to be bringing someone in from the outside, then I think they need eighteen to sort of twenty four months to to sit in the system to incubate, uh, build the, yeah, incubate, build mm. the relationships, um, understand those um, you know those internal you know sort of tensions, uh, and that'll give you the strength and the trust I think to send them out. And here's where understanding church planning models really helps because it may be that you you realise after a while uh, the leader we have uh, is more suited to a mother daughter plan um, that is being sent out from us with goodwill, finance, and support but they will take it in a different direction. All right, just pause there for a moment because we're going to hear from Scott. He's going to talk about finances. It's a good example of um, some of the tensions, uh, but the helpfulness within a multi-site context. Uh, so finances in the multi-site model is completely unified, um, which brings cons, um, but um, we're convicted about being one united church. And so, for example, where we've done a building campaign for our Newcastle campus a few years ago, um, and we pushed the Lake Mac campus to give just as much, and they did um, proportionally. They gave just as much as, even though they're never going to use this building in the future or things like that, one of the benefits was we had them to kind of um, be able to give and be very generous mm. in a sacrificial way. Yeah. Okay, that's Scott. Now, this is one of the flashpoints that can happen when you've got a campus and then you've got the mother church, you might have a building project here. Uh, what's the investment of people who are new to the campus who've never had anything to do with the mothership, um, giving back to that? And Scott pushes into that. Well, I think I think he's raised attention quite helpfully. But but the key part is actually being one unified church, and so you know often that's done, you know week to week by having the same teaching program, having a gathering and a service structure that actually is consistent and you know looks the same you know you're sharing a whole bunch of you know small group resources and um, you're sharing mission as well you're doing you doing you know your mission calendar and your mission activities um, collectively together you're also sharing some of those key central services positions like you you know potentially an operations person so in, in many ways those things all create this you know shared one church unified vision if the finances aren't as well then I think there can quickly be uh, tension points. So to see it, see that the whole structure as as one budget is really quite helpful. Now churches divide this up and um, you know split it around in, in many different ways. I've seen I've seen a sort of an admin charge for that sort of central admin hub, um, you know, being being passed on or passed to the um, to the campuses, uh, which can be helpful. I think you know, and that that can vary sometimes, but between sort of you know ten to twenty percent. Uh, I think the unhelpfulness of that though is it can create an us them you know, dichotomy between this central services team who we're constantly always having to give money to. What do we really get for it? You know, um, how much? How much do we get now? If those tensions are set out at the start, then you know there won't be there won't be a tension. And often um, there's a real opportunity there for the the campus plant getting off at the start to really benefit from again a very well resourced um, you know central hub or sending church. Uh, but the multi-site campus really needs to from the start, see themselves of having the one budget. And the leader within that, yeah, I'm 100% with you. It's drip feed every week. It's not you know, necessarily always the big things, but it's the constant little things which shape the culture that we are one unified church, and they are committed to that. 
So I think I think having a vision that's bigger than your campus is really helpful. You know, we're, we're I know I know Hunter Bible Church has a vision. They want to they want to reach all of Newcastle. Now that's over three hundred thousand people. If you think about the whole the whole region, um, now one church isn't just going to be able to do that. They're actually going to need a whole bunch of campuses and and a whole bunch of sites because it, you know Newcastle itself is getting larger and you know there are geographic pockets where people you know don't travel you know to and from um, each other. So having a massive you know or a bigger vision that one church can't reach, I think helps the campus see how they're part of the whole. But as you say, the campus planner needs to keep casting that vision. So for the new person joining, um, they're, they're gonna very quickly think, this campus is only my church. They need to have an overall sense of what's going on in these other campuses around the place is celebrated and encouraged. So I think often one way I've seen churches do this is to have an, you know, an all in day. Um, you know, that, that's a helpful way to sort of celebrate together uh, the life of the church and another way is to potentially use things like weekends away or um, other events but again that becomes very hard to do once you get over a, a certain size you know so over over five six hundred it's very hard to do that uh, so so I think getting around mission so your big sort of carols events events that you actually can't pull off often as a single church but collectively you can pull off a, a larger carols event it's not all smooth sailing a bit of conflict in this let's hear from Scott and what that's been like. Yeah, so in the multi-site model, it's got to be someone who's sold out on the whole church. Um, there can't be any of... So one of the things that can often make church planners really good is that they're alpha males, kind of let's go get them, that kind of thing. Uh, and there's still that on staff team, like we're all, you know, we rub off against each other because of that sometimes. Uh, but that's a healthy conflict and we have good chemistry to be able to handle that. Um but yeah, the, in the multi-site model, the campus pastor or the campus director in our model has to be on board with the big team first. So there are decisions that we make that I know aren't in favour of Lake Mac fully, um, but I've got to keep going. Well, we're, we're bigger than HPC. We've got to be bigger. We've got to be kingdom first. And so, um, like we looked at a building down at Lake Mac to potentially buy um, for the whole of church, and it was an excellent building. Um, but I was convicted for the sake of the kingdom that we need to get a building up in Newcastle because that's actually going to be more strategic first and then hopefully down the track we'll end up with a building, God willing, if he continues to grow church and things like that. Um, but I could feel the tension in myself because I'm, I'm for Lake Mac and that's where I'm like really thinking and, you know, it'd be great to have a building down there. But, um, yeah, that kind of big team first attitude and foregoing maybe that, that little desire is extremely important in the, that model and I think the other tension we've had is it's brought more conflict in a good way to our staff team and so we've had to probably be even more on the front foot with our team chemistry to ensure that we're having probably more meetings than we ever were and just trying to cohese us as a team a bit more so we can have that healthy conflict a bit better. So more conflict yeah, it was interesting. One, I can remember when Scott was getting ready to go to Lake Mac, he, he presented me with this document. Now, he, here's all the questions that we've got. And there were 125 questions in it. And, and it was a, a questions list that, that kept on getting bigger. It didn't, it, you know, it didn't get smaller. Uh, but what it, what it showed was that Scott was seeing all these tensions and was actually wanting to bring them to the team. Um, and a, a helpful part of his assessment was actually thinking about what does it look like to actually lead up? What does it look like to... Um, you know, to, to speak into the central services team who had been, 
you know, thinking and supporting the whole, how, how does he actually, you know, lead up into that? And so, so meetings are vital, as he said, and, and you're not going to get less meetings, you're actually going to get more meetings. Um, it is really important um, to be meeting regularly with that central services team and, and raising the campus pastor has really got to be the champion for the local context and, and be that sort of, I guess, contextual advisor to say, here's how it's going to be different. Here's what we need to be doing uh, in order to get uh, the, the voice, I guess, of the campus um, off, off the ground. So I think the other thing to present and think about this is conflict is actually a good thing. Mm. Uh, it's actually a healthy part of uh, team. So, so I would encourage the campus planner to uh, think about how they can mine conflict. You know, so actually to work out what's going on. And I think it's it has the the profound ability, I think, to to get the whole church, you know, thinking more about an area. Often, you know, I, I guess in the mission space, uh, a large church hasn't hasn't thought contextually about what they're doing for for a while. But actually, sending out a new campus gives them the uh, ability to rethink. Well, why are we doing it this way? Is this the best way of doing it? Uh, as the local campus planner says, well, hang on, I need these things changed because they're just not going to work. And that healthy tension, I think, gets a better, uh, you know, a better outcome for for the whole. So I remember chatting with a campus pastor who had the tension of wanting to pull off their own, you know, their own mission event. You know, they, we surely we couldn't. We couldn't do, you know, the event, insert evangelistic course like the mothership. Our, our context is so different. Our people are so different. You know, this is too organised. Um, you know, they're in a different context. It's just not going to work. Uh, now, the reality was after a year, they, you know, they had a crack. They gave it a try. After a year, it was just too hard to resource and pull that off. And so they actually went back to a centralised, you know, mission space. Now, the discussions that happened, the fight that happened there, all, I think, meant that, you know, the central mission sort of evangelistic course was, was far better for it. So I, I'd say press into the conflict, um, you know, and, and mine it for actually what's really going on. So you need their strong leader over all of them at the hub who is willing to entertain and facilitate conflict well and campus leaders within that who want to lean into that conflict, mm. not pull away mm. um, for the sake of the whole church. Yeah. Excellent. Scott, what's the one thing when it comes to multi-site you'd want to say? Uh, if you're considering planting a multi-site campus, you need to be sold out to the vision of the one church. Excellent. Well, if you've liked what you've heard today, you can like us, uh, leave a comment on our iTunes page and check out our other partner podcasts there as well. Keep listening. We've got more church planning models coming up, or you can go back into the backlog of The One Thing and listen to uh, other episodes on different things that we've had. Over 100 episodes now. But that's all from us today. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. Chat soon.